0: Welcome to chapter two of the Hiring Chronicles, our independent podcast that's dedicated to digging into the real stories in the world of TA. Although our paychecks will bear the Smart Recruiters logo, our views, opinions and the classic Devo moments that you will come to love, I promise, are completely unaffiliated with them. So speakers up, it's time to jump in. We hope that you enjoy this chapter just as much as we enjoyed recording it. And don't forget to subscribe.
1: All right. Well, welcome to the Hiring Chronicles. We've got a special guest today in the name of David Brammer. Amy, who's David Brammer? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's for you, today. I'm only joking. I'm
1: doing the intro. So David has spent a lifetime of experience in recruiting and TA. He's worked at the likes of Boots, Stonegate Group, Kingfisher, Accardo, and he's implemented a multitude of systems, anywhere ranging from Workday, Beamery, Connexa, Greenhouse. We're yet to see a smart recruiters rollout, but who knows, one day <laughs> it might know. be on the agenda. <laughs> so David, w- welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank, you. Thank, Thank you, you for coming.
2: Thank you for having me. appreciate it.
1: And and it's been a bit of a journey getting here.
2: It has. It's been a bit of a bit of a trek. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to do these things. Most of them I do from my kind of living room. And everybody's kind of getting bored. I would imagine not only seeing my face because I'm on everything. I like turn up to the opening of a letter, um, but also everybody must be getting bored of seeing my paneling on my wall behind me in my kitchen. So it's nice to do. It's nice to do one in person and have a reason to get out. You I know?
0: think Zoom calls are slowly becoming now from COVID and everything. People are getting a little bit fed up of yeah, Zoom
2: fatigue. Yeah, yeah. Zoom google you know slack hangouts you know all sorts of stuff i'm i spend my entire day just talking my wife always says to me what do you do for a living because all you do is talk to people. yeah (laughs) "Yeah, that's
1: that's about it that's kind of what i do i just talk it's nice to meet people in person as (laughs) well it is i I think you're the polar opposite of our previous guest who is about five foot three and david what are you six six seven yeah. Are you actually 6'8? I'm
2: actually, well, I used to be 6'8, but I'm 44 now, so I'm starting to shrink a little bit.
1: <laughs> wow. But
2: yeah, I'm just under 6'8. I tell, it depends if I'm trying to impress people or not. If I'm trying to impress people, I'll be like, yeah, I'm 6'8. <laughs> I don't know if height, height is an impressive
1: thing, but it's definitely impressive compared to, it depends to on, us. It depends on the context. Yeah. Depends, in
2: a nightclub, not a bad thing. <laughs> you know, at a gig, terrible thing. No one wants to stand behind you, you know.
1: So, so today, We've we've invited you on. You have, like I said at the beginning, you've been there, done it, yeah. you've you've probably seen and experienced everything worth knowing about in recruiting. <laughs> and when we did our our sort of pre-call, yeah. you said, you know, there's there's several things that you've changed about what your focus is since leaving Ocado yeah. and the work that you're now doing. And yeah. you had a couple of topics that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So I don't know where you want to begin today. For me, I really like hearing the person's background first of all. So it'd be great to know a little bit more about who you are. Okay,
2: I can do that. So um, I'm originally from Derbyshire um, and I started my career in recruitment in Nottingham. I moved to Nottingham when I was about 21. And I started, like a lot of recruiters do, I kind of fell into it. No one ever goes to a kind of a careers counselor and says, well, they're at school, you know, I really want to be a recruiter, (laughs) right? When
0: When you're like deciding your GCSEs, you don't be like, do you know what? I want to be a recruiter.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm going to do drama because yeah. I want the drama that comes with recruitment. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it wasn't. It was. It was kind of. I fell into it. Um, I was a commodities broker straight out of uni, and then um, decided that wasn't for me, and so I kind of jumped into recruitment. And it was one of those true old school kind of agencies that I first joined, right, where you're on call 24 7 and you've got a mobile and a ford mondeo and this was this was like pre-systems as well right so we didn't even have a system at the time so i had a filing cabinet that i used to kind of carry around in an adidas bag um and uh, and it had like class one drivers class two drivers you know high ab specialists and that kind of stuff you used to get phone calls at like two o'clock in the morning you know david you can save my life if you got a class one driver like no same guy call an hour later at three you got anybody no four o'clock can you can you help me out? Like at two in no, the morning. Oh yeah, yeah. Two, three, four, you. five in the morning. By the fifth call at six a.m., my wife was like, "If you pick up that phone, <laughs> if you pick up that phone, you can leave." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." Um, so I did a couple of years in like what you would call industrial to start out with, and now I moved to computer people. Happiest days of my entire career. Loved it. I was supplying contractors, IT contractors, into Ministry of Defence through CIRCO at the DSTL. Um, ran a fantastic book of contractors there for like four or five years. Um, and then we lost that contract, unfortunately, because that's how the bid process kind of works with different agencies and master vendors and stuff. And so I then decided to go in-house, worked. At the time, it was really hard to go from agency to in-house. So I had to take like a six-month contract. I worked for a bank called First Data. I was setting up fraud centers for Coots Bank and Barclay Card and stuff up in uh, Scotland. So I was flying each week from East Midlands Airport up to up to Glasgow, which was a right laugh. Um, <laughs> so I did that for six months. What are you months. saying about
1: Glasgow?
2: <laughs> I loved Glasgow. It's amazing. Um, not, not such a great commute from Derbyshire or Nottinghamshire, but a great place. Um, and then after that six-month stint, I went into Eon, started managing all their MSPs, RPOs, You know, 1,600 temps a day, 500 contractors. And I was, I was doing all that kind of stuff for them in-house. Moved from there to Boots uh, after Boots had acquired Don and Acheson. So I'd gone in there for a mergers and acquisitions type thing, bringing the two teams and functions and systems and everything together, which was really cool. Boots then gave me all of clinical, So I had Boots hearing care, Boots optometrist, Boots pharmacy. Um, Built that out. Really enjoyed that. We won loads of awards and stuff, which was brilliant. And then actually... I realised that there weren't that many opportunities in Nottingham, right? You can either work for, like, Boots or Rolls-Royce, or you can work for, like, Capital One or something, but you can't really escalate your career there. And I got a phone call about going to work for TK Maxx, who were based in Watford, and my wife was from Hertfordshire, so we relocated. Boots was, like, the the the, the kind of the narrative behind it is, Boots was UK and Ireland. TK Maxx gave me the opportunity to move into Europe and European kind of resourcing and stuff when I got there there was like eight people in TA when I left there was like 38 um so we built that out into a big thing and then I followed one of the HR directors from TK Maxx to Kingfisher Group that gave me a global remit all of a sudden I'm dealing with like Russia you know China just random you know huge places um and a couple of years later so 2020 start of the pandemic I took von redundancy and see by choice two months before the pandemic Started a new role. (laughs) Yeah, smooth, right? Started a new role at at Stonegate Company, um, which is a pub company. They own like half of Soho, 17,000 pubs, bars, clubs, whatever across the UK. Um, And on the day I started uh, in March 2020, my first meeting in the SLT, I was one of the top 17 in the business. So I went into this meeting for the top 17. Um, And my first meeting on my first day, they said, close the pubs. Boris has closed the pubs within four days i was on furlough for six months six months later i was made redundant then i did the one year gig with mind gym which was amazing never worked for a small company before it's like 300 people got to scale it to 600 massive tech innovation you know moving forward with this huge online product which was brilliant get to work with someone like octavius black who obviously if you know octavius is a right character he's he's eccentric but wonderful and I I loved him dearly um he could never call me David he always had to use my full name David Brammer (laughs) (laughs) good morning David Brammer um and uh yeah he I think he got his MBE or OBE this year I forget which um but got some exposure to working with the board there and they had like Neds like um Sir Trevor Phillips and people like that that were just really influential and really interesting and then Ocado came up um I got a phone call about Ocado would you like to come have a chat with us seven or eight interviews later with ceos and cfos and oh, coos wow. Wow, that's
0: a lot of interviews
2: yeah when you kind of get into a c-suite minus one role um where you're directly reporting into the c-suite it, there are many many more interviews but they're not really interviews they're more kind of conversations mm. right they're kind of like us yeah. sat here now shooting the breeze a bit um and they were going through this huge kind of transformation and it was really interesting. I, I got to work for an amazing CPO in Claire Ainsco who is just is a wonderful, wonderful leader and a brilliant person. Um but fifteen months later, you know, we we hit a lot of hiring targets. Hiring slowed down and at the start of this year. Unfortunately me and a great deal of my team took redundancy. Since then I've been doing some contracting. So currently working for Carafi on site at Cantar uh, Public who went separate from Cantar Group last year um and doing some work with them which is cool and a lot of this talking <laughs> um, yeah talking yeah a lot of this and uh, and a lot of posting on linkedin which um is is largely centered around the ta market and how difficult it's been and how many people have been struggling to find jobs and stuff so I've been working a bit with ihr and their kind of community to try and help people back into opportunities and work and stuff which has been cool Um but yeah, that's it.
0: What draws you to because obviously in all of your most of your roles that you've been in, you've been on like transformation, you've Mm -hmm. implemented lots of different tech. What draws you to that kind of that world around technology and tech?
2: I think when you take any kind of job, there's always three things, right? There's three boxes that you want to tick. And you need to tick two of them as a minimum, right? So the first is around package and salary and stuff, right? It's gotta work for you, it's gotta pay the bills. Second is around the company and their values and what they're about and whether you, on a values-based level or whatever, whether you vibrate at the same kind of frequency, you know, and you get on with it and you're into it, right? Because um, I once got phone, a phone call about one of those kind of payday loan companies. They were going to pay me an absolute fortune, but I was like, no, on an ethical grounds, I, I, could mm. never, yeah. I could never consider it. So that's about the company. And then the third element is always about the challenge, And that's the most important one for me. I'm not a mercenary, so I won't just go to the highest bidder, (laughs) irrespective of the company and the challenge. You know, I'm not just about the money, I don't care. Um, But I am all about the challenge, almost to the point sometimes where I would kind of almost sod the money, you know, sod whoever the company is. I'm really interested in the work. So I tend to follow the work. And it just so happens that the work that's interesting happens to be super complex. So with Kingfisher, when I followed Steve... um, to Kingfisher from TK Maxx, they had like six brands in nine countries, you know, trying to bring all of their TA functions into one central function of, of Kingfisher.
1: And they look after like B and Q and B and Q
2: and Screwfix are the yeah. UK brands. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, they've got like Castorama, Brico Depot, Kostas, Practica. They've got all these different brands on the continent, right? In Europe. Um and while, I, like I said before, I kind of when I first joined them, they were in Russia and, and different places, and then they've got huge buying offices and logistics kind of considerations out in Asia and APAC. So that was kind of the draw with that one. With Boots, the draw was it was a M and A, right? It was a merger and an acquisition of the Don and H&M brand, and it was just interesting. They'd offered me two or three jobs before that. You know, will you come and do our head office hiring? Will you come and do this? We, no, it's boring. Why would I rob Peter to pay Paul and move from Eon where I'm quite happy working with a bunch of mates that I really love and I'm still in touch with and texting, you know, on a WhatsApp basis every other day? Why would I leave that to go and do the same thing? So when I went to Boots, it was it was because of that exciting opportunity. With Kingfisher also, it was a systems challenge, right? So some of the countries, some of the brands didn't have an ATS at all. So for me to kind of roll out at the time was iSIMS for me to roll out iSIMS for that kind of company and incrementally do it by versus UK then it's Romania then it's France then it's just do you know what I mean it, yeah. it was kind yeah. of interesting um and we chose iSIMS at the time because it was it was unlike a kind of a huge enterprise platform like a success factors or connexa brass that kind of thing or a Taleo. it was really small and really easy to configure and they were rest tax, right? It was basics. Yeah. So just being able to kind of say lift, shift, drop, yeah. <laughs> you know, in different languages for a bunch of different countries was a nice, interesting challenge. And I love the King Kingfisher team as well. They were amazing, you know. Um and I've brought people along with me, right? So Steph McGinty, who's now head of recruitment at Kingfisher, um, actually used to be my recruitment administrator at TK Maxx. I then made her a recruiter, she then followed me after being a recruiter. She then followed me to Kingfisher and is now head of TA there. So there's a handful of kind of instances like that where you get to kind of take people with you. And I love that.
0: It's an interesting perspective, actually, because there's a whole thing, obviously, in TA at the moment of do we advertise salaries on job adverts and all of that kind of thing? (laughs) Yeah, Because I think if you start doing that, then a lot of people will have the bias and they'll go straight to. Like, not enough money, I'm not going to apply. Whereas, it's yeah. like you say, it's not all about the money. It's oh, the, no. the values. Is the job going to challenge you? Can you see a future? But people don't yeah. list that, though, do they? No, like you're won't.
1: saying that you like the challenge. Yeah. But yeah. How, when do you find that out? Are, are you asking that in the interview, like, what systems have you got and what are you trying to achieve? What, when does it become apparent?
2: It's typically when the recruiter first calls you, right? So the majority of the jobs that I've had, with the exception of maybe a Kingfisher and a couple of others – have been where an exec recruiter has kind of called you up, right? So I'm in a process right now for for one through Hydrogen Struggles. And they'll kind of call you and they'll say, we've got this company, we think it'd be interesting for you. You then get an NDA through. You sign the NDA because obviously you can't then talk about that type of stuff. And they'll say, here's the company. And you go, okay, maybe so. Or, oh, that's exciting. You know, just by the name or the brand of a company. Yeah. If you look at my CV, I followed a lot of brands, Yeah. right? And, and I think that that resonates with people. But um, – when they kind of give you the detail of here's the challenge that's where the hook is for me it's not like right well it's a 200 grand basic or it's 150 grand basic or whatever because actually to your point right there's a huge disparity right now i can get a phone call or have someone message me about a head of recruitment job that's for a hotel group that's 50 grand <laughs> right yeah. mm. and i i you know i've had recruitment administrators who were paid 50 grand i've also had really good recruiters who've been paid 50 grand but never ahead of ta but then there are jobs out there in the city in the banks in canary wharf where someone calls you and says oh, i've got a manager job and you go yeah i don't think that's going to be quite the right level and they're like well so the basics 225 you you're like <laughs> <laughs> wow but that's the banking institutions yeah. right yeah and i haven't really worked in banking now for like 20 years but um i think for me personally that challenge is always clear an evident or it's not so i'm talking to a startup well they're not a startup they're kind of series b at the minute um and for me the the interesting or the challenge with that one is it's not just a purist kind of ta role yes they need to grow yes they need to do all that stuff but they also want someone who can come in and do the talent stuff right and do the l&d stuff and and all that kind of thing and some more generalist kind of hr which has never really appealed to me honestly but with this company it kind of does and it's largely because of their mission because right, okay. they're focused quite heavily on environmental stuff, okay. You know. so
1: there's a bigger picture that. Yeah, a big picture.
2: Towards. Yeah, on that, on those three, does it quite tick the salary box? No, not quite. But on a values and a business basis, hell yeah, it's really okay. interesting. Whether it works out or not, I don't know. We'll see. But I'm kind of, I'm one of those people that kind of believes that in fate a lot. So I kind of believe that I'm in this room now because I'm meant to be. You are meant. To <laughs> you be. Are, are meant. We booked you. <laughs> You booked me, right? <laughs> so I'm in this oh, room. he come after you, David. Yeah. That's why. Yeah, he sought me out. Um, and I'm here because I said, yeah, I've, I, I kind of put a post up on LinkedIn like yeah. a week ago or so, just saying this is the year of saying yes. If yeah. someone asked me to do something... Instead of me just routinely going, oh, sorry, I'm booked on that date, which is my typical go-to, and apologies to anybody who's kind of seen this or is listening to this.
1: (laughs) We got him first. I got
2: got one of those off David the other week. Was he actually blagging me? I Um, feel
0: honoured that you've said yes now.
2: (laughs) He's got you now. I I, I kind of feel like since the start of the year, obviously I took redundancy. I was a free agent from kind of April, but I've been working since May. Uh, not that it's on my LinkedIn profile, because it's not really something of note that I'm massively out there sharing. Um, I started putting out the content, it got some interest. The content and the interest then started generating different opportunities, right? So like I said to you before, we kind of came online. This is my third podcast in like a week. And I've got a couple more lined up in a month's time. And I'm, I'm judging at awards, and I'm doing different things. And I think there's always loads of opportunities out there. I don't want to kind of get myself the reputation of being the guy that is everywhere. Right. <laughs> Cause that, that's equally not cool, but I kind of felt like, sod it, this can just be the year of yes. And I'll say yes to everything and I'll do it and we'll see what I like and what I don't like. And then obviously I can kind of adjust for next year. Do you know what I mean?
1: And, and I, I get where you're coming from. And the more you say yes, I think it dilutes your value a little bit. Yeah, it does. No, you're risk. right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But, on the same token, please don't leave us. But like you, I, I think for someone like yourself, without without bigging you up too much, you've got a great background, great career. The resume speaks for itself. You've got approaches coming towards you and yes. being being directed your yeah. way. Not everybody's got that, and I see a lot on LinkedIn. The TA community is suffering. Yes, people going through redundancies. TA units are being stripped back maybe being merged into it yeah from a branding perspective you've talked to me about building a brand a personal brand personal brand so give us some insight into how you've gone about that because your presence i wouldn't say you're everywhere but when i see a feed I see your 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 posts go on there and you've got a lot of following on there a lot of traction your posts yeah. are grabbing attention giving yeah. you that brand so talk us through how you go about building that
2: So I th- I I didn't first of all I didn't start posting to get attention if you know what I mean it it, it kind of happened organically and I was I was quite I'm quite happy with that but I think I started posting because I had the time and I had the opportunity and I had something to say Yeah. Right. And my wife will also confirm (laughs) I've always always got something (laughs) to say. You've got 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 an opinion. Yeah, I've got an opinion, right? So um, I was seeing a lot of really kind of bad practice. And I think I started sharing a lot of that type of stuff. The first post might have been about ghosting or something like that, right? Um, And then there was a a post I put out that got like 70,000 views or something within three or four days. And it was a personal post. I put it out and it, it kind of started by saying my dad only gave me one piece of advice because he'd worked in retail for his whole career, right, as have I largely for a lot of mine. And he said the one change, uh, the one constant in retail is change. And I kind of put that as the first kind of line. And it just got this ridiculous kind of response and hundreds of different kind of interactions and comments and different stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. Um, and then I put one up about ghosting and then I put one up about you know why is there this invisible wall you know almost like a Berlin type wall between agency recruiters and you know the in-house guys and I have a theory about that right a lot of the in-house guys who have a bit of a a bit of a stick up their backside about working with recruiters (laughs) are the people who tried to be recruiters and, and didn't perhaps make quite such a success of it or were in agency and had a really terrible experience with being in one of the worst agencies yeah. where the environment wasn't great. And everything yeah. was a bit, cause it was very laddie, right? Even back in the day when I was there, it was quite laddie. You yeah. know, it wasn't un, unheard of for people to be sat at their desk, you know, drinking a beer on a Friday work, afternoon work hard, and, and hard, smoking hard. a cigarette. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is the early two thousands. It's not quite the eighties or nineties where that was absolutely standard practice on a Tuesday at 11. But it's like, <laughs> um, I think um, I just put these posts out and I've decided to start doing it quite regularly and I noticed some themes, right? So if I put something out on like a Tuesday morning, people would have a better response to it. But it's all, it was also about consistency, right? So I was like, well, I've got nothing to do with my day because I'm literally sat at home twiddling my thumbs. My kid's at school. My wife's working in the next room. I can either watch Bargain Hunt... <laughs> right or I can put in a couple of applications largely I'm going to get ghosted or auto rejected for I did it twice right this year when I got my redundant I made two applications I was rejected for both of them within an hour both jobs which arguably without sounding conceited I could have done in my sleep and within an hour I was rejected automatically almost and I put a post up about that and then I put a post up about you know how lots of people are at work and this that the other and it just kind of gradually built a bit of momentum but there's a constant theme with my stuff and it's always about the TA community and it's about helping people ideally and whatever else but it was never by design it was just at the time I had the opportunity and I had something to say so I just did it um and it, and it, it does seem to have gained a little bit of traction I'm, I'm not at like Andrew McCaskill you know <laughs> level of a million views on one of his posts when I was chatting with him the other week he was like I had a posted got a million views on LinkedIn. what did he post about i don't even know i didn't ask um i didn't want to sound like a fanboy <laughs>
0: <laughs> but i think your posts are like you see so many posts on linkedin and it's just like it's just the same stuff yeah. you yeah. know what i mean like everyone's talking about this and it's the same thing whereas yours is almost like you're saying what people are thinking yeah i'm prepared when, to say what yeah people you're are. you're happy to be to be open <laughs> and yeah. like you yeah. say like these two jobs that i've applied to i could do them with my eyes closed but yeah. because of you're, you're just being very open which i don't think is a common thing that you see on linkedin i think people I think are it, think afraid yeah. of being yeah, but you
1: got to think about where linkedin derived from yeah that whole culture of like open honest that that doesn't derive from linkedin linkedin's no. all about this sort corporate of corporate I, th- I think it's it's struggling. It needs to reinvent itself a little bit from that perspective because we, we do want to hit, yeah, it's NTA just it not it real. Is.
2: It's so one-dimensional, you know. I think everybody's facing the same challenges with, like, D&I, for example, right? Six, seven years ago, D&I, it wasn't like an old, old wooden ship like Ron Burgundy said in <laughs> Anchorman, right? But it, it, it wasn't in the conscious necessarily as much as it is today. No. I think that's a really positive thing. Yeah. But what it has done is it spawned a thousand influencers who all know absolutely everything about DNI overnight.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. just
2: like that. It's like um when ChatGPT launched, all of a sudden everybody, everybody on LinkedIn is like an AI expert like really you would li- Are you literally go- there
0: were so many posts about yeah. it li- within yeah. 24 hours within
2: 24 there? hours it's like how can you get the best out of chat gpt like really <laughs> yeah. it's, it launched like three days ago how have you even learned this right um and i didn't want to jump on the bandwagon of that type of stuff so i figured well what can i talk about and i the thing i can talk about is ta because i know it and i've lived it for 20 odd years um but also i can do it probably from a bit more of a um, a human angle where I'm prepared to word it and, and say my piece, but in a still in a respectful way, but kind of get my point across.
1: Without putting it into G- ChatGPT to write it for you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So we it's can bizarre. confirm you don't use ChatGPT. I do not obviously.
2: use ChatGPT. I don't know if they could use my vernacular. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> you could probably train it to, right? Yeah, it, it would so. probably be able to write something in yeah, my yeah. language. People always moan at me. They're like, why do you put so many dots after things that you write? I'm like, well, I'm not... I'm not a scholar you know and I I can't say that I'm a you know my current boss is you know read English at Cambridge and is incredibly bright and loves reading and stuff I've read about five books my entire life I just have a I have a way of saying things that that for the minute at least seems to resonate with people and I quite like that but if, if it all went away tomorrow, I'd, I'd be cool with that too.
1: That's I, think, I think people are trying to use it because I've seen the guys at Udder, they do like a blog okay. that you might you might follow and they, they're using ChatGPT now to write the blog in their tone of voice wow. and consolidate all of these HR articles into one thread. And bring bring like a summary from ChatGPT about what they are, all in the tone of voice that the guys at Udder right. use to talk in. So there's about seven thousand subscribers on their list, uh, yeah. which that's crazy. Yeah, I looked at it. I was yeah. like, that's that's insane. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm
2: I'm for saying that I've held some quite big corporate jobs. I'm not particularly corporate, and yeah. that's almost like a kind of a credo, if you know what I mean. When I go to any kind of interviews and stuff, I always say, look my leadership style people tend to get on board with it um from a a kind of a a team level right but some leaders might not quite like it that much because i'll hold up a mirror to people and kind of go you know you're complaining that our hiring time is 82 days to make a hire but here's some stats that say that's down to hiring manager feedback that takes three you know three weeks in between interviews and trying to get into your diary is actually what's causing that the problem so actually our hiring time is 28 days and then the rest of it is you and you know Mm. a a lot of a lot of companies aren't really comfortable having someone who's prepared to kind of hang up a mirror almost and hold other people to account because i think recruitment is an interesting one it's the only department in any business where everybody believes they can do your job better than you can right so true it is right (laughs) so if i if i was to say to a cfo at a company that i was working for you know what don't like the job that my finance partner's doing. So I'm just going to hire my own accountant. And they're just going to come in. They're just going to do my accounts for me. That wouldn't be acceptable, right? <laughs> but it's absolutely okay for a hiring manager instead to go, yeah, not really enamored by the internal team. So I've just engaged this agency. I've got these eight CVs. Yeah. And it's yeah. not GDPR compliant, by the way, because they just sent them to me on my email and I printed them off and I've just left them in a <laughs> random room. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that there's necessarily – enough people out there who are prepared to have the difficult conversations um why I don't know I think one of the one of the phrases that I kind of often reflect back on it was a friend of mine actually that said this phrase to me and it really resonated um and she actually said to me she said what you've got to do when you move into senior leadership is you've got to get more comfortable being uncomfortable and I was like it's a bit profound But then actually it made so much sense because you're the one when you're at the top of the tree You've got to have really uncomfortable conversations with people and say things that they maybe don't want to hear And you've got to hear things from them that you don't want to hear about you and your leadership style. But you've got to take it right and you've got to get more comfortable being uncomfortable And also what you find is the further up the tree you get as well You don't make as many friends right and that's a really bizarre thing to say but it really is important. So if I think back to either TK Maxx or Boots or Computer People where I was, you know, uh, in, in or Eon, I've still got groups of friends from those companies when I was still in kind of lower level or middle level management where, you know, you would have that camaraderie and you'd go out for beers on a Thursday night in Old Street or you do whatever, right? That stops when you become the TA director and you're rubbing shoulders with other types of people not in a grandiose way by any stretch right but people stop treating you the same way i'm the same bloke now that i was in many ways 15 years ago in other ways i've learned to remove some filters or to add some (laughs) filters right um greg hill who's a really good mate of mine who's the like head of ta at interflora he always used to say to me you've just got no filter he said everything that you think just spews out your mouth and then you think about it after you made for a podcast then. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean I can talk about anything, but um he's he's absolutely right. And you learn to apply those filters over the years and the further up the tree you get, the less people feel comfortable around you. I feel really uncomfortable if someone doesn't feel comfortable with me because of my level or status within a company if you know what I mean I hate that
0: and do you think it is that like it is because you're a ta director like it's that title it's the it's the title that you're like oh I can't go and have a beer with him or
2: no it's super noticeable like if I have Let's say I had a team of heads of that worked beneath me and then they had managers and that manager had seniors and then they had recruiters and the recruiters had administrators. You can be talking five, six different levels of people and you can literally kind of palpably feel and see the difference in how people talk to you.
1: Yeah, Do you think you can ever alleviate that, change it?
2: I mean, I've tried a few times, but I think in the end because there's so many difficult decisions to make, if you do kind of get to that tier director type level, it's almost better not to have too much of a personal involvement because, you know, like at the start of the year where I'm having to have conversations with 30, 40 people about making them redundant, it's really hard to do that. It's much harder for me. It's harder for them if we're friends, right, and, we're, and we get on on a really kind of close level. Um, I don't know if I would have been able to do that with, with other people. That I'd had a really close connection with in the past. Um, But yeah, I think, I do think the further up the tree you get, the lonelier it gets. 100%. Do you need
1: need a hug, David?
2: No, I'm all right. I'm okay. (laughs) Honestly, I'm I'm, I'm crying on the inside. (laughs) (laughs)
1: He's had a long journey and he's got no friends. It's been a long journey. I've got no friends. Yeah.
2: But I, I think there's just a lot of truth to it, you know? And I think. If I cast my mind back to the jobs that I enjoyed the most, right? Like TK Maxx was incredible. I love Why?
1: What well, was so the good culture,
2: about TK The culture, the culture at TJX Companies is 10 times that of any culture I've experienced in any other company.
1: How? How? What do they do?
2: They always kind of said like famously, well, first of all, when you first start in a managerial role there, right? They kind of go three months, you can't touch anything. I was like, what? And they were like, three months, you can't touch anything. Don't we need to look at it? Don't we need to break it? Don't we need to touch it? Figure out why it is, how it is, before you make assumptions. And they were dead right because you kind of walk through the door and you go, "Oh my god, that process needs fixing." I am going to look like the Messiah because I've come in and I've <laughs> spotted something straight away that's going to save you a ton of cash and time. But then three months later, you realise why it works like that, and you go, "Actually, I am not going to touch that. It might be a you know a heritage way of doing things, or you know." bygones whatever but you realize why it works for that company and they really nourish and and cherish the kind of the culture of the people there they always say you know you learn more in 10 minute chat at the water fountain or at the coffee you know machine than you do in 100 meetings and they were right and the truth of it was I think I was just surrounded by really nice people their credo for hiring the first senior leadership meeting that I went to a guy called Ernie who was like the chief executive officer at the time over in the states came over to Watford to our head office and uh, and he goes I'd like to just give you three words when you're thinking about hiring people I was like sweet he goes hire nice people <laughs> seriously if that's the, not the best three word hiring credo there has ever been and he was dead right because you, you did not I mean like maybe one in 50 right you'd meet someone you just didn't click with and you'd be like oof you know but that company for some reason nails culture and i loved working there and i built a great little group of friends and and whatever else and it was a shame to leave in the end um but i, I would have always gone back there in a heartbeat just because the culture of the business is just amazing tk max and home I think culture
0: is such a big i remember being like big deal my first kind of role as a recruiter at vodafone you make like the co- your core friends, and mm. you'd go out on nights out, and it's just like yeah, yeah. that environment. But then when you come back in, it's everyone's just you just I don't know, yeah. it feels very
2: wholesome. You go to like the I'll tell you what, right? I'm a big fan of the awards, I am a big fan of the awards, like largely because I like to dust down the you know, the, the velvet jacket and and whatever, <laughs> and, and wear a nice big pompous kind of bow tie. But you go to a rad awards or a recruiter awards with your team, and you have a good night. And you're bonded. You've got enough stories. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the stories that you used to build on nights out, where you were like, "Oh my god, do you remember this? Oh, do you remember when blah 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 fell over in the chip shop? That kind yeah. of stuff, right? um And that's the stuff that stops when you get into the senior leadership stuff, because you kind of go right, eleven o'clock, and you disappear. And I, I, I've got this thing, you know, one company they literally called me the ghost because at ten o'clock. <laughs> I would go. Oh, I'm just nipping to the bathroom, and I wouldn't be nipping to the bathroom. Oh, we have I would, a boss I like that. would just go that. home.
0: Yeah, we have a boss yeah. like that that will just pull. He'll just be like, oh, "I'm just gonna just gonna go to the bathroom, and then that's it. You won't see him again for the whole night." Yeah. So it's a cool
2: move. But that was strategic, though, right? Because there's there are levels of David, yeah. and level five of David <laughs> <laughs> after like lots of drinks on a dance floor. That's an entirely different David to level one David in a meeting you know with the CPO and and whatever else I
0: feel like we need to see level five I
2: don't know if we'll ever get there no no one's seen level five David in many a year and for very 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 good reason I uh last time level five David came out and it was quite embarrassing so I just don't I don't do that really anymore and I think that's the shame because there's almost an authenticity about you that kind of disappears and falls by the wayside as you kind of get through the ranks yeah um And that's a massive shame because I think the people who I worked with at TK Maxx or at Boots or at Eon, where some of my best mates are still there, you know, um, had an authentic experience of me on a personal level. Because I think there's always business, there's always personal. I think you can get on with someone from a business point of view and actually have very little respect for them as a person and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think less of the personal comes out, you know, the more you, you kind of progress in your career. And I think that's a shame, but it's just a reality. And that comes out, I think, in the writing when I put stuff on LinkedIn because yeah, yeah. It, it, it's super, it, it's me yeah, and it's really down to earth. And, and I just say things how I think them. I might not quite curse as much as I normally do. Anyone who knows, you know, Greg, <laughs> when we were at Eon used to call me Toretto <laughs> because I, I, I swear a lot um and i do that still around people i feel super kind of comfortable with and if they do that then that's great
1: he's not sworn yet i haven't <laughs> done it yet oh, I, I, have a bit,
2: I have a bit of a policy on podcasts and stuff not to do oh, it
1: we're, we're okay we're not censoring it's not for, well, for, the, for the kids
2: yeah, i'm not just going to start throwing out f-bombs that's fine Okay. Do um, you
0: think, though, for for somebody that is, I guess, maybe made, been made redundant or whatever, and they're looking for a new vacancy, yeah. that building your brand and starting from LinkedIn is the way to go? Because obviously, there's so many social platforms now, like TikTok, Instagram. Yeah, there's so many. Like, do you start building your brand from LinkedIn? Is that a good I, I, place? I mean,
2: I, I would, I would never encourage people to start thinking about it as building their personal brand. Okay. Um, I would, I would say that it is about being present. Um, so, I shared a job three days ago. I was doing a favor for a mate. He Just kinda,
1: the 85k salary one. That's the one, yeah. yeah. So,
2: it's <laughs> nice, it nice, <laughs> nice that someone noticed, right? Um, so, I put up a post for a friend. He gave me a ring a couple of days ago, lunchtime. He says, Look, I need someone. We're doing this MSP project, and we've got to do this, and we've got to do that. I need a recruitment manager, roughly about 85 grand, occasional travel, London, Yorkshire, otherwise remote. I put up a post and said, inbox me if you're interested. And within four hours, I had to put a note on that post saying this position is now. felt because I'd had literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people wow. email me. And I went back to every single one because I hate getting ghosted. I hate it. If if, you, if you're going to put something out there, you have to at least go back to everyone, right? And comment and, and say, look, thank you. but I think there's more suitable people or reach out to this person because they're the hiring manager, whatever. Um, but I had to take it down within like four hours because it just went mental. And I think that is very telling of, of the TA market at the minute because... There's a lot of people that are applying for stuff, seeing that type of content, applying for it, but they're going up against three or 400 other people. Mm. The difference for me was when I started posting and I've had since March, I think, yeah, since maybe March, I've had like half a million views on my stuff. That changed everything. So me having my open to work banner on my picture on LinkedIn, step one. Step two Stop posting some stuff about the fact that you're available, right? And be present and comment on other people's stuff and like other people's stuff and congratulate people when they land a job, right? There's no place in business for sour grapes, right? If someone else gets a job that you maybe were interested in, you just have to congratulate them and say, well, best person won, right? Um, But it's not so much about personal brand for me as it is just about being present. Eighty percent of the jobs, and I've shared this on a different one of my posts. Eighty percent of the jobs that have come to me since I got made redundant came to me via my content. Someone always writes, "I saw your post this morning," or "I saw your post yesterday. Really like that. Thank you. I needed to hear it. I've heard about this job at blah blah blah. I can give you an introduction if you like." And the stuff isn't coming to me through agencies at all. The agencies, for me personally at least, I'm not saying this on behalf of the industry. I don't speak on behalf of the industry, but the 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 agencies have not had the work. TA is so, I guess it's still very much in demand. But for every job, there's three, 400 people, right? So the agencies are a bit obsolete at the minute in this market. And everybody knows someone who knows someone. And everything's coming through referrals. And that just resonated with me a lot. So I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to start posting and I'll see what it does. And literally, I was getting three, four different opportunities a week. I was then catching up with other people who I knew who'd been made redundant at similar times. They were like, I've had two leads in a month. I've had one lead in a month. I've heard nothing in three months. I'm pulling my hair out. You know, mm. there's different people that are putting posts up saying that they're suicidal, yeah. right? Because yeah, they've yeah. been out of work now for four or five months and they can't afford it. Now, it's I'm meant not... to be a light-hearted podcast, <laughs> I know, but sorry. Getting a, bit, sorry. <laughs> getting a bit deep now. Yeah. Sorry, but like, I think... Um, you just kind of have to keep some perspective on it right because in between um in between leaving stonegate and mind gym there's like three months and i'd had a conversation no word of a lie i'd had a conversation with tesco about going and driving for him two days before i got mine gym because so i was just like i'm i'm pulling my hair out i'm bored i you know, it's not obviously not going to pay the bills, but it's going to help a little yeah. bit, right?
0: Something to do. Yeah, something, yeah,
2: I'm just going to go and take the evening shift for Tesco, and I'm going to start delivering people's groceries in my area, and I don't care. I don't give a shit. I'll do it. Um, and two days later, my gym kind of came up, um, and that was more out of boredom and just wanting to feel still like I was contributing and, and doing stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think going back to the personal branding bit, be present. I spoke to a friend of mine two weeks ago. Make, got married on the same time as me four months ago hasn't done a day's work since I was like you haven't even got your open to work banner on he was like oh no no, I meant to put it on I'm like put it on like don't be too proud right you won't be too proud in another two months where all your you know redundancy money's gone and then you've got to find some cash from somewhere right and you're asking your mum and dad for a loan or something Mm. I was like put the goddamn open to work sign on and also you haven't posted in four months and when you did it was some bullshit about like you know oh I had a lovely ice cream this afternoon like (laughs) okay point I mean? number one don't post about ice cream, post no about ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> I mean, yeah i think um look I, I i'm not one of those people that says don't put personal stuff on linkedin i like it if people put you know you'll occasionally see a wedding photo or oh, i'm pleased to say i'm now a dad yeah. Or, I'm a mom yeah or whatever i'm dead proud of myself i love that and i'll give it a love heart emoji or whatever um but like if it's just like oh i went for a coffee this morning look at this cake like take it to facebook do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the people that know you and love you might give a shit about the fact that you've just eaten a nice bit of Battenberg. I don't care. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's just, there's, there's, there's limits. Um, and
1: are, are you following like certain ways of, cause, cause like your posts aren't short, they vary in size, yeah, but.
2: Usually about five paragraphs, yeah.
1: Yeah. Like you, you have fairly long, almost like an anecdotal story mm. and then you're using particular hashtags, stuff mm-hmm. like that. what? Give us, give us some tips if we... I
2: use the same five hashtags on pretty much everything that I post because I'm not posting for everyone. I'm posting for the TA community because that's what I'm interested in. That's what I do. That's where I operate, right? So I'm not posting about kind of mental health awareness week and that kind of stuff. I will like other people's posts about that. I might even share them, but I don't know enough and I'm not educated and I'm not really affected by that personally. So it doesn't feel like it would be authentic for me to do that. So I post about TA stuff. I always use talent acquisition as one of my hashtags or recruiter or recruitment or talent or whatever. Those s- same five typically hashtags. Um, but I always start all of my posts typically with a question. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, right? But there is something in the LinkedIn algorithm that if you start a post with a question, it reaches more people. Bizarre.
1: Really? Yeah, yeah.
2: Parages. Maybe it's just
0: because it engages. It's more engaging. It's more engaging it's asking rather for, than... Yeah, it's asking yeah. for...
2: in a way i guess okay but like i will i will always start with a question and that question will pop into my head and some of the posts that i've really thought about and i've gone oh that's a killer i'll put up and it'll get like four thousand views i'll be like what's that (laughs) and other stuff i'll be like i'll be sat in my garden and go oh that's a good one i'll post it take two minutes it would be like three lines and it'll get like 27 or fifty thousand views and you're like there's no science behind this at all it's just whether it resonates with people or not. And just because I'm thinking about something, it doesn't mean that everybody likes it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. But you just mentioned, you mentioned like the cadence, being present. Yeah.
2: I tend to post twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, And it's not like I'm planning what those posts are. I just kind of go, right, it's Tuesday. I should write something really. And if there's something in my head, I'll write it. If not, then I might not. Some of it might be personal. The personal stuff tends to get much more, many more views, if you know what I mean. Like, um, if you're telling a story from your perspective, so yeah. like if you're kind of saying, oh, I went for this job the other day and this happened and blah, 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 that'll get loads of buy-in because it's a story and people are kind of interested in that type of stuff. Not because they're nosy, but like because it kind of hooks you in a little bit. But if you then start writing a really deep and meaningful about an employer brand, somebody, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like some people are, are going to be super into it and other people are just going to be like, oh, no, yeah. dry, thank you, No.
0: Do you think it makes a difference though for someone who's like applying for lots of different jobs and they're they're at, like if you're putting yourself in the shoes of someone that's actually applying for a role. Yeah. They're applying but they're being active on LinkedIn and they're posting mm-hmm. and then I don't know you as the HR or hiring manager comes and looks at their LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Do you think you kind of take that into account of, oh, actually, you know, they're putting up good content, They're posts, like, would you consider not that as a their posts of- and
2: stuff. No, I mean, like, I've not been in a hiring manager position for a little while, right? I, I, I mean, I tend to hire people out of my network that I know, if you know what I mean. So yeah. if I'm looking for, like, a head of recruitment marketing to come and work in my team, I already know 10 of them. And they're always the same five or 10 people that I'll go to and say, you need to come here, this is great, you're going to love it. Um or I'll be like, who do you know? Yeah. Because I kind of it would be more outbound than that. I tend not to get too much inbound. If I have opportunities in my team, I almost make a point of kind of going for referrals first mm-hmm. for all the stats and stuff that people give you, right? And I know that eighty two point seven six five percent of stats are made up on the spot. Right? <laughs> but I think I think the stats that most companies have are that sixty, seventy 70 p- percent uh of referrals stay longer than non-referred employees which is kind of pertinent right okay so i I like to keep things within my network so i don't often post if i have something in my team unless it's very specific or do you know what i mean like if if i was looking for someone to come in and do some project work or something um but no it doesn't make a difference if someone's been putting up content or not that wouldn't make any odds as to whether i would hire them or not but it would put them in my conscience in my conscious sorry and in my psyche if i saw constantly that they were posting so i shared uh, that vacancy a couple of days ago the 85k and this one guy kind of pops up straight away and goes i'm interested and i was like email me and he kind of dropped me a dm i was like listen i already knew i already dropped your name to the guy <laughs> before i even posted this Because I knew, because he was posting every kind of couple of days, I knew he was in my subconscious that he was up there looking, and I know he's got a good reputation. So, and go, there's your guy straight away. As soon as the guy called me and said, "Will you post it, I was like, try blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Because those are the three names of the three people who I constantly see posting really good content, who've got great background. So automatically, that's who I'm going to go to when I'm making recommendations. Mm. And in this market where everybody's making recommendations, that's who you want to be. You want to be the guy or the gal that is remembered.
1: Because they've got that presence. And I think it was interesting when you said, I don't see it as building a brand. That's not what you're doing. You're not building a personal brand. Mm. You're just being present. You're You're being present. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's nothing contrived about me doing what I do. It's become more routine, definitely. But am I trying to build... David Brammer the brand absolutely not
1: yeah who, that, who the, that's what we were going to ask you that like, was our question <laughs> <No>. <laughs> describe your brand but we can't yeah. ask you now because you well, no, you
2: can but I mean like what's your
1: brand then though? my, tell, tell my
2: brand is I work in recruitment I've done a lot of stuff I've got a unique kind of style from a leadership and a you know written and spoken word kind of point of view and I have an opinion on stuff that's my brand that's who I am that's what I do did I intend when I first started writing content to build myself like a following? No, no. You know, last year, in the six months of last year, I posted four times and my posts got something like 15,000 views in total in six months. In the last six months, I've got half a million. That isn't by design. It's not because I want to build myself this big brand. I just want to be in people's conscious that if an opportunity does come up, that they know yeah. who I am and that I'm on the market. That's it. It's a really selfish endeavour, but whilst doing that and having that agenda, at the same time, if that content then benefits people, you wouldn't believe the amount of messages I've had from people saying, oh, thanks for putting up that post this morning. I needed to hear that. So a lot of it's quite encouraging. Like yeah. Yeah. I tend to finish a lot of my posts and stuff with, don't worry, that right opportunity is just around the corner. Have a great day. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And I will often get messages from people, like five or ten messages after each post, just saying, I needed to hear that today, thanks. And Again, that's enough I think for me.
0: it's because it's real. You're, you're yeah. saying almost from the heart, you're saying the stories and yeah. the experiences that, that people are actually going through. Well, because
2: I'm having the same ones.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right?
2: I got ghosted too. Yeah, I've got a good CV and I've worked for a lot of big brands and I've had big jobs, but I've been ghosted. I've had recruiters say, oh, I've got this job for you. Like, fantastic. Yeah, it looks great. Fantastic. Three weeks later, nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I get, I get the same treatment as absolutely everybody else. The difference is, I think, once you're a head of TA or you're a TA director, when it comes to the agencies, they invest more of their time in you because they see you not only as a candidate for a next role, but when you're in that role and when you're an incumbent in that role, you're then a customer. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors with that type of stuff, and you can see it with some people who just kind of routinely call you and kind of go, "Just checking in, what you got going on at the minute?" Like, oh, I'm not going to give you any company names." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> what, what, what do you want me to do? Give you give you a kind of a full breakdown of where I'm interviewing at, so you can pitch some candidates in. Yeah, no problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I think when we when we talked to Heather coming on the podcast, you you mentioned I think it sort of bleeds into that category. Nice, about proactive and reactive. Yeah hiring mm-hmm. so be good to get your opinion as you say on like yeah some of the, the good and bad practices that you're seeing and yeah what your advice is
2: so I think what I would start with is the difference between recruitment and TA right because there is a fundamental difference I believe between the two recruitment is part of TA talent acquisition is about acquiring talent and the outreach to the talent market and understanding your kind of objectives and goals as a business but it's much broader. Recruitment is the operational activity of making a hire. You've got a square peg that you need to find to go in a square hole. Or sometimes it might be circular, whatever, right? Okay.
1: Um, a lot of pegs. A lot of pegs. A <laughs> lot of pegs.
2: Hexagonal, whatever. Um, and I think it starts with that for me. So there are lots of companies out there who call what they do TA, but it's not. It's recruitment. They are subservient to a business. The business goes... I need these people, I need them in four weeks, go. That is reactive recruitment. If you're in TA and you embrace TA for the full life cycle of TA and what that is and what that means, it's very, very different. So you go to a company that doesn't have workforce planning, how is it possible for you to enable a real talent strategy for the next two to three years? You can't. You're only ever going to be in a reactive or responsive environment if you don't know what comes next. Good TA partners with a business, understands that in 12 months' time, you're implementing a new system. And that new system is going to require 30 people. And those 30 people will be on site for between 12 and 24 months or whatever. So you can then reverse process engineer what it looks like to make those hires. Rather than, in reality, what actually happens is the company keeps that to themselves. They then all of a sudden in a march say, by May, we need 30 engineers to build this new system. And then you're like, well, it takes three months to hire someone. So you're not going to have any runoff time or any run-up time. And that's what effective workforce planning kind of comes in for. But then you've also got the talent angle as well. So if I'm not close with the talent director around, okay, where are your risks? who are your high potentials in teams, who's on the internal kind of, you know, mobility kind of space, who is already a really accomplished finance manager, who's going to be one of the next internal promotions to head of finance. If you've already got five finance analysts in one team and you need a sixth, what is the difference with that sixth? What do you need from the sixth that you don't already have in the five, right? That for me is the talent acquisition element because you're trying to build an understanding rather than just fill an order you go to a restaurant you ask for a lasagna you're going to get a lasagna right you go to a right, restaurant you might
0: get some garlic bread with you it. might get a bit of
2: garlic bread <laughs> you might even get a bit of parmesan on top right stop but, it stop. <laughs> I know I did eat luckily before I came in, two but, um, like my point is it doesn't have to be prescriptive you can talk about hiring all day long that most companies don't proactively outreach to the market as much as they could or should right so why well because advertising works for them right so i worked for one company and i won't drop names because i don't think it would be fair but i started with them and i got a couple of months worth of data and it's from the november and the december and i said can you give me some data on the talent and where it's come from for the last let's say month two months and they went okay here you go And they'd had 21,000 applications um, in two months. And I said, okay, so what's the split? And at 21,000 applications, I said, how many of those were reached out to through LinkedIn, in-mails, whatever? 125.
1: Out of 21,000?
2: Out of 21,000. Wow. And I was like, right. Okay. This is day three.
1: Tell us who the company was, Day (laughs) 1.
2: absolutely not the people the people that are there if they actually listen to this podcast will know immediately who i'm talking about um but it's it's i think the difference is you can get 21,000 applicants for for a series of jobs yeah 30% of the market are going to apply for stuff 70% of the market are inactive right? So they might be passively looking for a job. And if a recruiter calls them about it, they might be open to it. But if they see a job that's just advertised, they might go, no, I'm not that bothered. Yeah. Right? So you're only looking at 30% of a market. You're not looking at hiring the best person. You're hiring the best person out of who applied. That's the difference. So outreach is really important because it gives you access to 70% of a market, an inactive market, where actually, arguably, possibly, a lot of the best talent are sat yeah because you want to hire the best of the market not the best of the applicants so i think it's it starts with that type of stuff for me when i first go into a company i'm looking at what's the split what's the split between what we do to outreach what we get from where and how we do that and if you're in a tech space that could be you know uh you could be using github for example or you might be using um some other kind of uh, hiring platform that's very specific for engineers or something like that. But your outreach, you can apply for any job. That's not a problem. Lots of companies will still post things routinely. But I think for specific markets, you're only ever going to get a certain type of candidate that comes through just from applications alone, right? And mm-hmm. if you're on a Monster, for example, and you're potent, which there's nothing wrong with Monster. Monster's a wonderful platform. I would use a Monster or an Indeed or a Read for more clerical, operational, more volume-type hiring-type roles because I know that that is where the vast majority of, traditionally, vast majority of their candidates are. Would I post a back-end Python engineer job on Monster? No, for the very good reason that those guys don't need to go on Monster to get a job because they've got 18 agencies calling them every single week trying to pitch them another job. It's like qualified finance, right? Every company you ever work for, when you're trying to hire kind of uh, financial accountants, whether it's finance managers or uh, corporate managers, whatever it might be, they always look for the same thing. ACA or ACCA, first time passes, big four background, year in audit, second role maybe in industry. Everybody's trying to tap that. Everybody's trying to tap that industry. But the agencies have got it cornered. So what on earth would be the point in posting that on Monster or Indeed. Because if you're one of the candidates that needs to go on Monster or Indeed, potentially, to find a job of that nature, that says, Mm. speaks volumes,
1: right? I think there's like technology now anyway that you can identify where would be the best place to post a particular kind of job, right?
0: Yeah, rather than just, like you say, posting out to the generic kind of job boards. It's more tailoring it. And also, I think tailoring the content like two candidates or surfacing jobs like you know for searching on google for certain things then we can now kind of tailor and personalize the content that will yeah. show to them which is tapping into that 70 percent of people that aren't actively applying yeah
2: mm. yeah i mean I, I haven't worked extensively with the exception of indeed who i do rate quite highly um and i really like the team there and i think they do good things and i think they're really they shout, really shout out to Indeed. Well, <laughs> I think they're much more interested in outcomes than other companies. A lot of companies want to sell you stuff. Um, and then once they've sold it to you, they kind of walk away, right? Until the next time they want to sell you some stuff, right? My LinkedIn account manager, traditionally in most of the companies I've worked for, is really prevalent. Really there. Really yeah. in my inbox, in my face, on my phone for two <laughs> or three months until that three-year agreement is signed. And then... See I later. shall never see them again <laughs> yeah. until three years' time when the negotiation kind of comes back up because they've got your money, right? I think that that's the difference with Indeed. They're, they're much more interested in the outcome and trying to tailor that for you and work with you, which is why I still work with them. But oh, And I'm good. not sponsored, by the way, by Indeed no, in any shape Not yet. Um, <laughs> not yet. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but um, I think you've just got to put some... Uh, you, you've got to put some stuff out there because I think it's it's relevant and it's healthy and it's good for your employer brand to be seen, to be out there, to be hiring from the market actively. Um, but I think there's also some really bad practice out there from a recruiting point of view, which kind of goes, right, so actually one of my posts on LinkedIn that got a really good response was about a job that I'd seen that had been advertised that had 700 applications for this head of TA role, right? And I'd been approached... By an agency for it and i said are you actually joking (laughs) i actually said and these were my words and i'm i'm not trying to sound like an ass right but i kind of said to this person on the phone i was like are you joking why are you calling me about that they've had 700 apply clicks there must be 200 different heads of ta in the uk right now that i could probably name who would be suitable for that job that are out of a job why are they coming to you and they were like yeah well it was just a it was a bit of a routine kind of thing for them they just need to be seen to be advertising it but really they're just waiting to use us i was like so 700 people are going to get pissed off and not get a response potentially or just get an automated shitty response Mm. because you couldn't be
1: asked great way to burn your your talent pool (laughs) christ and think about it as well
2: right so i've often often worked for a lot of retail companies e-com companies that type of stuff every candidate's a customer people forget that stuff right so boots each year when i was there and forgive me if i get this stat wrong boots but we used to traffic about seventy thousand candidates i think for like their seasonal uh, hiring for like stores and stuff um for christmas and a lot of that was like students and stuff who were coming home from uni and they had a month off so they come in and they'd help you know on the perfume counter or whatever for a month before christmas and get some cash what you've what a lot of companies neglect to do is to realize that they're alienating themselves from customers if they those customers then just get the standardized thank you but no thank you because mm-hmm. then they've got a choice of right well i don't want to go to boots anymore actually i'll go super drug yeah or yeah. i'll go online and i'll go to amazon oh yeah because they will vote with their feet and i've done it personally when i've gone to a company i've had a really shitty experience yeah, yeah. i've been like whoa 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 no oh, i was crazy, a fan yeah. before yeah i used to i used to buy a lot of i buy quite a lot of very expensive clothing which my wife hates and I was a big fan of this brand and I went to see them for the head of TA job and I met the, the CPO and my God, it was the most awkward and awful experience I've ever had in an interview. She was shocking. Do
1: you want to name, name the company? No, we? I'm not going to name that.
2: I, I, won't, I won't name the company, but to say that, you know, this person was just egocentric to the absolute nth degree was unreal. In um, the interview? Really? In the interview, Yeah like came in, gave me like 10 minutes and was just like, okay, so I'm going to leave you with this guy and he's just going to finish the interview. And I was like, Oh my God, not only am I not interested in this job anymore, irrespective of whether you're interested in me, but I will not be buying anything from you again. And I was spending a lot of money. Right. So it, it has a big effect. And this is where your advertising bit comes in because in that instance of the 700 applications, what you should do, switch that off. Yeah. Yeah. It had been open for two months. And that seven hundred became eight hundred became nine hundred. And you're just like, come on. Jeez. Like have some it's it's about policy. Lots of companies don't have policies. If you have a policy that says we will publish our vacancies for one week, and if that then doesn't give us the yield that we need of candidates, we'll then publish again subsequently for another another week. That's what policy does. It gives you some constraints, it gives you some parameters by which you operate. For companies without policy, they post a job. You get 700 responses. It's still open on LinkedIn two weeks after they've hired the job. So every candidate that is sealed subsequently coming in is not only foregone conclusion that they're not going to get the job, but it's also a foregone conclusion that they're going to get pissed off because yeah. they're not going to get communicated with and they could feel incredibly qualified for that job and not get it. So I'm a big believer in policy when it comes to recruitment and advertising and that type of stuff. Um, but again, that kind of goes back to the difference between recruitment and TA. Because in TA, if you're savvy and you've got a great CRM platform and you're working with the CRM to build talent pipelines based on company goals, workforce planning, all the information that you get given if you're a valued partner with the business, it's an entirely different thing. Mm.
0: I think the the messaging, though, even in the CRM or like when we're automating that is, it's got to, well, for me anyway, I feel like it would resonate more if it's like that. You catch them that catchy kind of questions at the beginning yeah, or the yeah. content or if you're asking me to watch a video of the day in the life of, I think are <laughs> still a lot of the content that's being pushed out yeah. is the same. Hey, we've got these engineer roles. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. boring oh still, my God, isn't it? Yeah.
2: And and honestly, for a lot of recruiters, like a recruiter from one of my previous companies posted a job yesterday on LinkedIn and did not use a single hashtag right, and they've got about 300 followers or whatever, you might as well go to your front door. Like literally go to your front door and say, hello, <laughs> hello, I want an enterprise architect to anybody. Like the guy walks past with his like Datsun or something like, no, not me, mate, thank you. <laughs> but like if you're going to put up a post and share a job with some random Average stock image of, you know, three business people in New York pointing at each other and looking out of a window. And it's just going to be just, here's our job, apply for it. And you've got no followers and you've not used any hashtags and you've not hashtagged the job or the industry or anything like that. What's the point? It's just poor practice. When I was back at TK Maxx, we had a CTO at the time called Andrew. and he was brilliant, loved Andrew. I think I think he might still be at AS Watson now, which is part of Superdrug or whatever. Um, and he said to me one day, he said, we're really struggling for this role. I said, well, I haven't got the network you've got. I said, so why don't you post it? He said, what do you mean? I said, you've got LinkedIn li- license, right? I said, you've got a LinkedIn uh, profile. He goes, yeah. I said, well, then post the job. He said, me post it? I said, yes, you. And he posted it. And within two days, we had 50 applicants. Wow. Nice. No shit. Like seriously, sometimes there's a misconception that recruitment is the TA team's job. Yes, it is as a facilitator, but ultimately hiring a job is always the job of the hiring manager, right? Recruitment is something that is owned by the hiring manager. It's facilitated and operated by a TA team or a recruitment team. But it's ultimately my job as a hiring manager to make sure that I get the right person in. I might not be pulling the strings. I might not be the one that actually posts it on the job board or, you know, does the outreach. But I can sure as hell go on LinkedIn and use my network and everybody that's following me to then say, I need an enterprise and, en- en- you know, architect in my team, hashtag enterprise architect, hashtag job, hashtag careers, hashtag whatever. And overnight, literally overnight, within like two days, we had like 50 applications for a job that we've been struggling for for a month.
1: That's a really? The cost as well.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting like perspective because you're so right. Everyone is is always like, nope, that's the recruiter's job. You go find the candidate,
1: and also to a job
2: board. Yeah, yeah.
0: Straight to a job board. Straight to the career site. But
2: that example was eight years ago. Yeah. So this isn't new sh- new stuff, right? He so nearly oh. said new shit then, didn't well, you? <laughs> There's <been a> few <laughs> we? We nearly made friends. There's a few slipped in. Yeah, Yeah, a couple of little ones, but um, this is none of this is new. This is all should-be standard practice stuff that your TA partner is doing with each hiring manager, right? If you are ahead of procurement, you are going to have more people in your LinkedIn connections who are in procurement, ex-colleagues, peers, network, whatever, than I am. I'm not in procurement. I'm in recruitment. I've got 16,000 followers or whatever it is on LinkedIn, which is still nothing compared to a hungley or an andrew mccaskill or whoever but it's a relevant population because it's all pretty much hr and recruitment people i don't just connect with anybody that's outside of our industry i try and keep it as close as i can to that so i might go as far as hr and like a c you know or a chief marketing officer or something like that because obviously i can then help them potentially at some point or they can help me but like when I was first at Boots, I was immersed into the optometrist world and I had hundreds of optom kind of contacts and stuff. And two days ago, I got a message from someone saying, oh, I'm starting up an optical chain. Would you be interested? And I was like, I'm not an optometrist. (laughs) But spec savers need to know about it, don't they? (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, did you even look at my profile? Like the amount of people that just don't do their research, right? Still, Even though I put a post up about it like two months ago saying, with the greatest of respect, I left Ocado at the end of March. Please stop pitching me stuff. Please pay a little bit more attention and start looking at profiles before you just send people messages. Every week, still, hi, David, seen what you're doing at Ocado. Have you? (laughs) (laughs) have you though? Cuz that's magical. Because I've not been there now for like 4 months. Nobody
1: else at has seen it. No one else, yeah,
2: going to say. No one else has seen this wonderful work I'm doing and if I am, I'm not getting paid for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So people just need to pay a little bit more attention and just be a bit more diligent. Do some basic stuff really well and stop getting involved in all the the crap that you know is a, that hangs and loiters around recruitment. So many recruiters are inefficient. They spend so much of their time on admin and interview organizing and different tasks that they don't need to do. If they get more diligent with their hiring and their attraction processes, they've got less candidates to deal with, less admin, less interviews. It's not rocket science. No, just stick it's to the It's really basics. straightforward. Stick to the basics, but do them well. And use your hiring managers. Let them post stuff. Attract in different ways, you know. And don't just respond, rely on responses from job boards because – that's lazy.
0: Speaking of magic. Just step
2: off my soapbox now. Just conscious of time. Yeah.
0: Speaking of <laughs> magic. So yeah. I have a, a bit of a thing that I like to ask people on the podcast. On on so. This is the closing question. Oh, this is the closing <laughs>
2: question, is it? David
0: move. absolutely loves it.
2: Love this feature.
0: But if you could have a magic wand yeah. to cast on one thing throughout the TA community, the TA world, you could change or do something. Could be technology, I don't know, something within LinkedIn, what would it be? Um, if you almost had one wish.
2: Christ. I could probably come up with 10 or none. Um, I think I think it would be for people to see, see TA rather than recruitment and to think about TA rather than thinking about recruitment. Whatever you're thinking about recruitment, you're in an operational, responsive service environment. Whatever you're thinking about TA and you're thinking about the bigger picture and longer term and you have visibility and you've got decent partnership with the business and what's happening and what's going on from a talent perspective, from a goals perspective, from a strategy perspective, you can do your job better. So I guess if I could wave my wand at anything, this magical wand, it would be having people look at the big picture because I've experienced so much responsive reactive TA or recruitment rather in my time and it's a a really simple transition to move from recruitment to TA right it doesn't take a lot work smarter rather than harder is, is my kind of wish I wish that people would just work a bit smarter than harder and immerse themselves into it rather than being a, a, a glorified filing clerk, right? Something comes into this tray, You take it out of this tray, you put it in this tray. Is it right? No, it goes in this tray. Is it right? Yeah, put it in that tray. Yeah. Like, you, there are systems that can automate that stuff now. I think if, if if there was one wish, it would be for people to look at talent more holistically rather than just recruitment. David. I bet no one else has answered it like that, have they?
0: They haven't. No, no. Yeah. no <laughs> That's powerful. thank you so much for coming on today it's been pleasure. yeah thank very heartwarming i think yeah very... thanks for making
2: it <laughs> absolute pleasure i'll look forward to the 40
1: minute walk back <laughs> awesome.
0: thank you so much
1: thank you